Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we are here today to celebrate how great our Savior is. And this has not been a tight uh, series of sermons, but we started two Sundays ago with the spirit of Simeon and Anna seeking the Lord and waiting upon Him. And then last Sunday morning preached on the simple faith of Mary and Joseph. How, how much faith that it took for them to do and to fulfill those simple acts. I mean, uh, Joseph could not, as was brought out in Sunday school, Mary couldn't explain to Joseph what had happened to her. It would not have been accepted or understood, but God did, and Joseph rose up that night and took Mary as his wife. Why? Because God said so. That's faith. And this morning, I'd I'd like to preach on the center of the entire Christmas story, for God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son. And, and we call ourselves Christians today. And, and rightly so. That is not a title uh, that we put upon ourselves or said, listen, that's what we want you to call us. That was a title that uh, the worldlings, the unsaved people of Antioch, looked at these people who were assembled together in the name of Jesus Christ, and they said, you act so much like Jesus Christ, we're we're just going to call you Christians. And I wonder, and, and I pray, and I am convicted in my own heart, how often do we fall short of that great title, Christian? And how misunderstood is it in our world today, as every other good thing is in the Bible. Don't let somebody's misunderstanding deprive you of truth. Amen? And so we come to Philippians chapter 2. And we come down to verse 5. And this is where I want to start this morning. Let this mind be in you, which was also... In Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want to preach on the mind of Christ today. It says that Paul was telling the Philippians here, he said, I want you to have this mind in you that was in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I get a little weary uh, of people coming up with cute little sayings and, and uh, all these different things. And, you know, what would Jesus do? I'll tell you what Jesus did when he met a blind man. He gave him sight. You can't do that. Uh, what did Jesus do when he met a sinner? He saved him. You know what? You can't do that. You can't do what Jesus did. In fact, the only thing you can do that Jesus did was find a Baptist preacher and get baptized. Amen. Uh, he went to John the Baptist and got baptized. And that, that is really about the only thing that Jesus did that you can do. And we highly recommend that you do it. we got a baptistry back here. And uh, I know a Baptist preacher who would be more than happy to take care of that uh, in a heartbeat. Amen. Uh, that's not a problem. But Paul here says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. You know, this is something that we can do. In fact, this is something that we should do. But I'll challenge you that this is something we don't often do. It's not accomplished easily. Because we have this thing called human nature that is in us. We have our sin nature 
God does not eradicate the sin nature when He saves us. He wants us to fight against it. And so, I want us to read through this passage and I want you to think about the mind of Christ. And and we're going to end on a very difficult verse. I mean, if you've ever looked this verse up in the commentaries, which I don't recommend that you do, it will be confusing to you, but... Uh, I believe if we'll keep the Scripture in its context, this verse will be so simple and so plain that it's something that we could go out and endeavor to have Christ help us to work in us the living of the words of the Scripture. Let's start reading again in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, Not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's walk through this passage. And let's ask that God would allow us to have this mind that Jesus did. It is the key. To being a real Christian. It is the key to living for God. It is the key to everything that we are supposed to accomplish. And it starts out by saying, Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I want you to understand something. Jesus never once in all of the Scripture, in His earthly ministry, in all of the confrontation He had with the religious leaders of his day, trying to get them to understand the truths that are now written in this book called the Bible, Jesus never once stepped back from his deity. Never once did he play down who he is so that he would give these people a chance to understand Jesus put forth his deity right in their face. I mean, every time. I've, I've taught, read books on soul winning and that, and I say, now, you just need to, you need to kind of play this Jesus thing down when you're witnessing. Uh, Jesus didn't, don't you? Jesus said, it is not robbery for me to be equal with God because I am God. I am not going to step down from my throne and from my position so that you can understand a little bit more about me. I'm going to reach down and give you a hand and pull you up. That's who Jesus is. We got this idea that, because we're going to talk about humility here and, and, and these other things that, are in this passage making himself of no reputation. And we think that somehow we're supposed to demean ourselves and and to lay down and play weak and willless and witless to the world. Jesus never did that. Neither should anyone that names his name. If you're going to have the mind in you that was in Jesus... He looked, I mean, read the Gospel of John. He looked right in their face. He said, I'm doing the will of my Father of whom ye say that He is your God. 
on more than one occasion, they picked up stones to stone him. And in John chapter 10, it says, he says, for which good work do you stone me? He said, we stone thee not for a good work, but thou being a man, makest thou self God. Jesus did not shy away from who he is. In fact, he told them, he said, if I, if I told you I don't know the Father, he said, I'd be a liar just like you are. Is that just slightly offensive, my friend? Uh, it was meant to be. Because Jesus was not going to deny himself. One of the reasons we don't in, endorse Protestantism in any way, we were never Protestants. You had to stop being whatever you were in order to become a Baptist. You, you can't carry that with you. The Protestants never really stopped being Catholics. That's why they were called Protestants. They were Catholics. They were just protesting against problems in their church. Uh, that's not us. Uh, if you want to join this church, one of the things you've got to do is stop being whatever you were so you can become what we are. And the first thing that you have to do is get saved. And Jesus never stepped back. Never once. But he is going to do some things that are just absolutely amazing. Let's look here. It says, but made himself of no reputation. I want you to think about that. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Brother Jason gave us the story, the Christmas story. I want you to think about this because this is what this verses, these verses are talking about. You ever wonder why God did everything the way He did concerning the birth of Jesus Christ? It was because He he was making Himself of no reputation. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost. But God didn't blow a trumpet. He didn't make any announcements In fact, he did it in such a way that everyone living in that day that knew Joseph and Mary personally went, it's, you know, Pat Robertson wasn't alive back then to make jokes that the first one can come anytime after that. It takes nine months. Uh, They didn't believe in that kind of foolishness. They believed that it was supposed to take nine months every time. You see, he was making himself of no reputation. Last week we spent explaining the Jewish marriage ceremony and that it wasn't about the bride, it was about the groom. It was about Joseph's Testimony and his standing and his entrance as, as a real part of the community. All this was included in the wedding. And Joseph was raised, being raised up out of his sleep, went and took Mary his wife and gave up all of those things so that he could fulfill the scriptural mandate. But, you know what God was doing? He was making himself of no reputation. When Mary, his mother, came to him at the feast in Galilee, the wedding feast in Galilee, Jesus' answer was a little harsh, wasn't it? Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour has not yet come. Why? He was making himself of no reputation. When he healed the blind man, when he healed the leper, what did he tell them over and over again? He told the lepers, go show yourself unto the priest, but don't tell anybody 
Why? He was making himself of no reputation. You see, Jesus was such a man that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day could not recognize him as God. You say, well, why did he do that? Well, he did that because there's got to be this little word called faith involved. If you are going to come to God, you have to have faith. You cannot accept Jesus because of his reputation. That's why it's a misnomer when you begin to witness to someone who is of the Islamic faith and everything. Don't compare Jesus to other prophets because he's not comparable. Don't, don't talk about how much better he is. I mean, that's what they do. That's what, I mean, even uh, Mary Baker Patterson Glover, I, I can't remember how many husbands she had, the founder of Christian Science. I, I read a great quote on that. Christian science is two incredible words used absolutely out of context and incorrectly. It's neither Christian nor science. But the Christian science movement recognizes Jesus as the greatest of all human beings. But what is Philippians? What is, it says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. He made himself of no reputation. Isaiah 53 said, who shall believe our report? He was fulfilling the prophecies. And it says, and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, if you're around here long, you'll find out we're not afraid of big words around here, and we're not afraid of thinking, and we're not afraid of theology, and we're not afraid of these things. Uh, We embrace them, because all true theology and all true understanding points you right to the words of this book called the Bible. Now, there's an awful lot of stuff that's falsely so-called education and and, uh, and intelligence uh, should not enter into the conversation because there's only one intelligent being in our universe, and that's God. If you have any questions about the intelligence of mankind, just pick up a newspaper and read it. That'll solve the problem right there. But Jesus took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. You know, they've written books on the hypostatic union. That is, the God-man. They argued for the first four centuries of quote-unquote Christian history. And finally, if you read any historian, the, uh, the Council of Chalcedon in 451 A.D., That's 420 years after the time Jesus walked the face of this earth. No, 520 years. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, math. Forgive me. 500 years after Jesus walked the face of this earth, the quote-unquote church of Jesus Christ finally made an explicit doctrinal statement that he is the very God of gods and the very man of man, that he is the essence of God and the total humanity combined into one person. And I always have to say this, and forgive me for being repetitive, but if it took that church 520 years to figure that out, how in the world could it be his church? It always gets quiet when I say that. You see... It's not. The Orthodox Church is not his church. Its daughter, the Catholic Church, is not the church of Jesus Christ. Because the church of Jesus Christ understood from day one, the disciples said to him, John chapter 6, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Martha said at the tomb, we believe that thou art the Christ, 
Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus' church has never had a problem figuring out who Jesus is. But if you want to understand how God became man, read Philippians chapter 2. He took on him the form of a servant. Have you ever read the hierarchy? God. Then God has his angels. Then he has man. And that's where intelligent beings stop. I mean, beings with intelligence. Whether we use it or not, that's a different story. But uh, beings that can think and can worship God, there's only three levels. There's mankind, there's angels, and, and then there's God himself. That's, that's all that the Bible tells us about. And Jesus became the lowest one. He took the form of a servant. And what's it say? And was made in the likeness of men. Took nine months in the womb of Mary. For God to become incarnate. He who was from everlasting to everlasting is from everlasting to everlasting, excuse me. He who spoke and everything that now is out of nothing became confined himself to a womb and was made in the likeness of man. I remember reading a thing years ago about a Muslim cleric, I guess is what you called him, who thought he was really smart and came in. You, excuse me, she said, he said, you mean Mary changed God's diaper? Ha, ha, ha. That's funny, yeah. No, I'm, I'm telling you, she did. Because he made himself of no reputation. You see, that man can't conceive of a God that's bigger and would do things that don't make sense in his little brain. You see, that's why you need the mind of Christ. He was made in the likeness of man. That's why Jesus was subject to Mary and Joseph when they came back from Jerusalem after he had been three days in the temple. Do you know what subject means? It means he received discipline from them. I want you to think about this. How many of you have been punished unjustly for something you didn't do? That, that's irritating, is it not? We don't get near as upset for not being punished for all the things that we deserve to be punished for. How many put their hands up and say, I fall into that category as well. But Jesus was subject to them. Why? Because he was made in the likeness of man. And because he was made in the likeness of men, look what it says. And being found in fashion as a man... He was in human flesh. He walked among us. It says he humbled himself. He humbled himself. I want to challenge you that if you think you understand those words, you are much farther from the truth than you could possibly imagine. We, we have the strangest ideas about humility. We, we think that humility is... Uh, I met a preacher one time, and not personally, he was in the room, and he was explaining to us all how humble he was. Just a humble preacher. If I weren't a preacher, I'd, be a, I'd probably be a pig farmer. And I'm sitting in the pew going, yeah, I think you'd make a better pig farmer than you would a preacher. Because that's not humility. 
see, Jesus never backed away from who he was. And yet he still humbled himself. Now, how did he do that, my friend? How did Jesus humble himself and yet, John chapter 3, none has ascended into heaven except the Son of Man who is in heaven. He was telling them right there at that very time that while I'm standing before you, I am in heaven because I am God. Can I give you a different definition of humility? It's thinking about others more than you think about yourself. How many of you have ever tried to help somebody say, man, I know what will solve their problem. Now, don't raise your hands. Because we've all been there and we've all done that. And we've all, and you know what the worst thing of all is? A lot of times you're right. A lot of times you're absolutely right. If they would only listen to you, something good might happen in their life. But they're not going to and it's going to be a mess. And you know it. You can see the train wreck coming. You can see the train coming down the track. You can see them stalled right in front. It's going to be bad. But while you're thinking about yourself, it completely cuts you off from being able to help them. You see, that's what Jesus never did. Jesus wasn't thinking about himself. What the writer of Hebrews tell us? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The next word is despising the shame. Jesus did not embrace the shame. He despised it. He died to take away the shame of our sin. You see, he humbled himself. You read Revelation 4 and 5. In heaven... The only place in the Bible where we're given a glimpse into heaven is Revelation 4 and 5. It's all about God. It's all about God. I I love that passage. I mean, uh, he's holding a little book in his hand and no one is found in heaven and earth to open that book to even look upon that book. And old John, the beloved disciple, sitting there going, <laughs> and the angel has to come up and kind of go, come on, John, wake up here. This is not a sad occasion. This is heaven showing and proving the worthiness of God that only the lamb that was slain is able to step up to the throne because he sits on the throne because he is God. Amen? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, because He made Himself of no reputation. He took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in the fashion. In fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death. Isn't it amazing? That every man that was ever born has had to experience death. He's had to experience a separation. Now, I know Enoch and Elijah, uh, but they're, they're not alive today other than in the same way that everybody else is. God just took them a little differently than he did us. But even Jesus when he found himself as fashioned as a man, had to become obedient to this thing called death. Because death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But you see, he can't be holden by death. Because he's God. But he humbled himself 
even to the death of the cross. I wish we had time this morning to talk about the death of the cross. How that He, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, fulfilled every part, every picture of the Old Testament sacrifice. Do you know that on the Day of Atonement, the priest was the high priest was supposed to lay his hands upon the sacrifice and confess his sins and the sins of Israel. And that night that Jesus was betrayed, we, we don't have evidence that the high priest himself participated in the actual slapping of Jesus and all those things, but they laid their hands upon him and they confessed their unbelief in him, did they not? Which is the greatest of all sins. It was a Roman whip that would flay the sacrifice, cut it into its parts. It was the heat of the sun that would roast the sacrifice as he was hoisted between heaven and earth. Jesus fulfilled every picture and every prophecy because he was thinking more about you and me and our need for salvation than he was for his own glorification as God. Do you realize that the cross is the only time in history, that the life of Christ is the only time in history where God allowed himself to have no reputation, to be looked down upon? That Jesus took the judgment of Almighty God for us so that we would not have to endure his wrath. You think Sodom and Gomorrah, when God rained fire down on those cities, was a total display of his wrath? No, no, you need to read Revelation chapter 20. There's a lake of fire that burns with brimstone. And it's never going to be put out. And Jesus humbled himself by saving us from that fate which we so richly deserve because of our sins. And he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And you know what God did? God exalted him. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care who you are. They're going to drag Adolf Hitler's soul out of hell and throw it at the feet of Jesus and he's going to confess that Jesus is Lord. And Muhammad's going to be right next to him and all the popes are going to be standing in line. Say, boy, you don't like those false... No, I don't like anybody that takes me away from Jesus. And all these college professors that teach that there is no God. And all the communists. Hey, they're not going to be questioning whether there is a God that day. They're going to be confessing that Jesus is Lord. You're going to have to make a choice, my friend. You can confess that He's Lord here. Or you're going to do it in eternity. Because there's not going to be one soul beyond that white throne judgment that is not going to confess that He is Lord because... He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made like unto a man. And he humbled himself and became obedient to death so that he could taste death for every man. And if you deny him, you're going to have to endure his wrath forever, for all eternity. We get down to verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know what? People have a problem with this verse. How am I supposed to work out my own salvation? 
Well, I mean, if you get the TBS crowd, they'll tell you, hey, you know, God's into making deals. He gave me a brand new car and a fur coat and all these fun things. Uh, Let me tell you something. God's not into making deals. When it says work out your own salvation, what it's saying is if you have salvation, if you have saving faith, it ought to work. How many of you have ever used an automobile? Aren't they nice when they work? How many of you have ever, the reason John and Linda Rivera aren't here is their automobile doesn't no, no longer works. Well, we've got to figure out something to try to help them get to church. But let me, let me tell you something. If it doesn't work, do you keep paying insurance on it? Do you go out and push it from side to side so you don't get alternate side tickets? I've seen people do that. You know, when you've got a car that doesn't work, you know what the best thing to do with it is? Get rid of it. Sell it to somebody who wants a car that doesn't work. They call them junk yards. And they will buy your car because they like junk. But I'm telling you, the only merchant of junk faith is the devil. Do you want to do business with him? If you have faith, it ought to work. But if you wanted to know how it works, could you imagine... Just for a thought, I was listening to an old radio show and it told the story of a guy who somehow wound up on a bus. And he'd never been on a motor car before. He'd only known horses. He was trying to figure out what made this thing move. It was an hilarious story. Somebody made it up. It was funny. But you know, a lot of people have no idea how faith in Christ ought to work. That's what this passage is all about. If you have faith in Christ, it ought to produce in you the mind which also was in Christ Jesus. You see, we're not to demean ourselves as Christians. We have a whole movement in our world today. It seems like they've taken over so many things. And, and it's the self-esteem movement. You know, you need to feel good about yourself. You know that there are teachers in New York City public school that won't even mark your questions wrong with a red pen because somebody said... That's like yelling at you. You know what? I'm glad my dad didn't believe in that stuff. He, he, he did a lot more than yelling on occasion. Uh, but it needed to be done. Because we need to understand when we're wrong. We need to understand. My self-worth does not come from me feeling good about me. Uh, There's only one way I can feel good about me all the time. Drugs and alcohol. And when they wear off, you got to get some more. Uh, That's the only way you can feel good about yourself all the time. And that doesn't work. That's a short-term fix. But you know what solves that problem? It's a word called love. You see, I've got a story that says, for God so loved the world. And you know what? I'm part of that world. Paul says, Jesus came to die for sinners of whom I am chief. You know what? We, could, we would do well to identify with the Apostle Paul. I mean, when people... Start talking about, I I just don't believe the Bible. It's against science. 
Like, I'm supposed to go, ooh, wow, I never heard of science before. Do you know that there's a lot of stupid scientists in this world? Could you figure that out? I mean, if you really want to see how silly people are, study evolution. Where, where was that plaque at? It talked about the cactus somewhere out in the southwest desert. That it realized, the cactus realized it had water and predators would want that water. So it grew thorns to protect itself. Man, I didn't know cacti, plural of cactuses, had more intelligence than most people do. Because Jimmy Dean tells you it looks cool smoking a cigarette, and so they'll go out and smoke cigarettes and destroy themselves, but the cactus is smart enough to grow spikes to protect itself. Let me tell you how people who reject God are utterly bizarre in their thought process. You don't need to be afraid of them. If God loves me, I don't care what you think about me. And if you don't love my God, you know what? I don't hate you. I don't have to fight against you. I'm going to pray for you that you'll get saved. Found in great sin and all of the horrible things that go on in the darkened rooms of men's imaginations. Hey, if not for the grace of God, I'd be right out there with them. But He loves them too, and so I'm going to take the message to them. And I'm not going to lower my flag. I'm not going to dip Jesus' colors. Because He humbled Himself. He was thinking about me on the cross. He was thinking about this church. Read Hebrews chapter 12. Who for the joy that was set before Him. What was that joy? Get down to verse 22. It's the church is His joy. The fact that we can assemble together in His name. All these centuries later, talk about Jesus. That's why I love that little course. Let's talk about Jesus. Amen. Uh, but he made himself of no reputation. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you did something that would make you of no reputation? You have to be careful with this. We, there's just something in human nature that we want people to think good things about us. You know, a little boy. Mama, look what I did. Big boy. Hey, Mom, I made it to the Orange Bowl. Yay! Big football player. Hey, we want people to give us approval. You know what humility is? Humility is the ability to do what needs to be done for the benefit of others, whether anybody approves or not. There was nobody cheering Jesus on to the cross. He was there alone. Why do we want to take credit for things? Why do we want people to notice us? Why do we want people to pay attention to us? Hey, if we're going to have the mind that Jesus is, we want people to pay attention to Jesus. You see, how did Paul introduce himself so many times in his letters? Servant of Christ. You know what? That word servant meant a little different than it does in modern English. The word servant meant slave, ownership. If you served another human being, you were actually owned by that human being. And Jude introduced himself as the servant of Christ. James, all these men, why? 
because they weren't thinking about their reputation. They wanted Jesus Christ. You know, we don't have time this morning, but just take this home and think about it. The number one symptom of mental illness is this. Not being willing to take someone else's understanding of reality over your own. When you demand that all things that happen to you be processed by this little brain up here, you're insane. You've got to let somebody else help you. You see, that's why Jesus went to the cross. So He could tell us who and what we are without destroying us. I know this is awful late in the sermon to introduce something you've got to think about this much, but it, it needs to be said this morning, friend. Humbling ourselves is getting rid of this. And embracing this. Because there's an awful lot that doesn't make sense in this book. But if you'll humble yourself and just be obedient, God will take care of the rest. That, that's what it's talking about here. See, I don't do what I do so that people will think I'm a great pastor. I do what I do because I want to be obedient to the book called the Bible. And you see, God takes care of the credit. But if I'm going to work out my own salvation, I'm not to demean myself or my position, I'm not to beat up myself or think, Anything less of myself than God thinks of me. If He thinks that I was worthy to send His Son to die for me, how much more could I be worth than that, my friend? But i got to get past me. You see, it's not my reputation that I should be concerned with. It's the reputation of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if I'm going to humble myself, I'm going to be obedient to the things that God said. And it says with fear and trembling, because even in my obedience, in the best things that I can do as a Christian, that old sin nature rears its ugly head and tries to poison everything I do. And it's only with the fear of God and absolute trembling that we can keep that sin nature in check long enough to let the God do something that will build His reputation. That's, that's what Christians are supposed to do. That's why our church is here this morning. Amen? Is to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm to work out my own salvation. You know what? You cannot do this for the person sitting beside you, nor can they do it for you. Parents cannot do it for children. Children can't do it for parents. I don't care how much you love another human being. You can't save them. Only Jesus can. But I'll tell you what, if you love Jesus enough to get yourself out of the way, it may make it a little easier for that person you love so much to trust Jesus. That's the mind of Christ. That's what he did. He made a way for you and I to get to God. And he wants you and I to live a life that will help other people find God. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus.
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We know it's Christmas Sunday and just so excited about so many things that are going on. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get excited about having a mind in us that was in Christ Jesus. Lord, there are people in this auditorium that are unsaved today. Or at least have never given enough of a public testimony of salvation that we would have any hope of meeting them on the right side of eternity. Lord, I pray that today there would be some people who would be willing to humble themselves and settle that thing and let somebody know that they're safe. That they're born again the Bible way. Lord, I pray for those that have settled the issue of salvation and yet to settle the issue of baptism. They realize that there is a process of making yourself of no reputation and just being obedient to what the Bible says. And today they'd make that decision to follow you in baptism. Lord, we pray for those that are just struggling with life because even though they're saved, they've let other things control their mind than the mind of Jesus Christ. We ask that this would be a time of making those things right. That we could celebrate this Christmas with the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and that we would offer to you what is rightfully yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Andrew's going to come lead us in a hymn of invitation.